It's a good thing that I was not one of the original disciples. For a lot of reasons. The particular reason I'm thinking of this morning, because of our story, is that if it had been up to me, uh, I don't know if Christianity would have spread much farther than Jerusalem. Um, I might have thought, we have it pretty good here. (laughs) Maybe, you know, maybe we just count our blessings and enjoy what we have. Think about it. The disciples had been utterly devastated with with the loss of Jesus. They had seen their master teacher arrested, beaten, killed, and then buried in a tomb. They'd been grieving this loss and hiding in fear that they might be next. And then Jesus shows up, literally pops up right in their midst. And at first, they're, they're still... Uh, thrown by this appearance. Uh, In fact, when they first saw him, they were startled and frightened, thinking that they saw a ghost. But then Jesus shows them the scars on his wrists, on his ankles, to prove to them that it's actually him. The same person that they saw crucified, he has risen Uh, He even does that little bar trick where, hey, got anything to eat? See, look, I can digest it. It's me. It's a real body. A a ghost can't do this. So the implications for this group are incomprehensible. Jesus truly and fully died. But then there he is, raised out of death into new life, even in a physical body. So the disciples slowly begin to realize that all that Jesus has said is true. He is the Son of God. And he carries, then, the power and the authority of God. And so all those promises he has made, including that they will be with him in the kingdom of God for eternity, all of that will come true. I think, right about there, I'd be good. Okay, I've got friends, I've got eternal life, nothing to be afraid of, no one to be afraid of. Let's just enjoy the moment. But that's not where Jesus ends things or wants his disciples to end things. Yes, Jesus encourages the disciples to enjoy the experience of knowing him and following him. When he greets them and he gives them that that blessing, peace be with you. Now it has eternal significance. It's an eternal benediction. Peace be with you. But Jesus also reminds the disciples in this moment that the gift that they have been given is meant to be shared. And not just locally, but to the ends of the earth. As followers of Christ, we're given a gift to share with all people everywhere. And that gift is a life of beauty and power in community with others. The way Jesus says it initially to them is in verses 46 and 47. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins 
will be preached in his name to all nations. Often uh, we think of repentance as kind of a, a turning away from the bad things. But there's a more important point, and that is the turning toward God and the life that God offers us in the kingdom of God. Yes, it is. It's a turning away from the ugliness and the violence and the, the pain of selfishness. But even more, it's a turning toward the beauty and peace and healing of Jesus. Included in that new life is forgiveness for everything we have ever done wrong or will. Everything. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in my name to all peoples. Some of the early manuscripts have it repentance and forgiveness of sins. Some have it repentance for the forgiveness of sins. But either way, the the point is the same, that we are rid of all guilt and shame, completely rid of it. And that frees us up to explore life, knowing that God has forgiven us. And that frees us up as well to forgive others as we have been forgiven. So this new way of life that Jesus brings to us radically upends our own lives and our communities. So much of what the world offers is judgment, scorn, exclusion, payback. But the resurrection of Jesus, the life that Jesus brings, reveals that the kingdom of God is a life of grace and encouragement and inclusiveness and forgiveness. The life that Jesus shares with us has the power to raise us from dead, the dead, as he has been raised, both literally and figuratively. The life that Jesus shares with us is the real life fulfillment of that vision that Ezekiel is given. This field, this open field of dry bones and the people, God's people saying, we are without hope. And God says, preach to them, let them know what I've said and, and I will give them life. And we see that in Ezekiel sees that in this astonishing vision that has been a part of the world's imagination ever since this vision was given. The bones being brought to life and the the breath of life being breathed into them from the Spirit of God. God has done this ultimately and eternally in Jesus, the Anointed One. Now, clearly, this new life in Christ impacts and saves individual people, individual persons. In the the Greek New Testament, there are dozens and dozens of of stories about individuals being uh, saved and being uh, given new life, individual by individual. Jesus speaking Mary's name to her as she's weeping outside of the tomb on Easter morning. Jesus urging Thomas Go ahead, touch the wounds, Thomas. And Thomas saying, my Lord, my God. 
Philip baptizing the Ethiopian eunuch. There are all these stories about individuals coming to know this new life. And I pray that each person here has either had that experience or will have that experience of life that Jesus offers us. At the same time, Jesus wants whole communities, whole nations, the whole world to share in this kingdom life. Jesus says to them, this is what has been written and must take place. God's anointed one was, must be killed and then raised on the third day to new life. And then repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. I love the Greek word that is used here for nations. It's ethne. The, the word from which we get ethnic, ethnicity. Uh, Jesus shares life with every ethnicity, like in that book. Our New Testament passage is the first story of this new kingdom life being shared with a huge multi-ethnic group. That is the story of, that takes place, it's still within days after the, the Passover has taken place in Jerusalem. And at the time of the Passover, uh, people used to come from all across the Mediterranean world to gather in Jerusalem for Passover. So people from all sorts of different uh, nations and languages and ethnicities. The disciples uh, we're still waiting in that upper room until the promise uh, that of power came to them. And then just before our passage in the book of Acts, that power comes. The Holy Spirit floods into the room that they're waiting in and it floods literally into their bodies and fills them with power, and they go out and they begin to speak in languages that they didn't even know that they knew to people who spoke languages. And the people are saying, how is it these hillbillies from Galilee know all of these languages? And that's the, the, the first uh, story of this tremendous um, coming together. And this telling the story of who Jesus is and the life he offers in a full uh, crowd of multi-ethnic peoples. And when they hear this, all these people were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and other, the other disciples, what do we do now? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Again, Change your life and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Again, this is about turning, into, turning toward Christ and the beauty and the forgiveness we are offered in Christ. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promises for you and for your children and for all who hear everywhere. And then the rest of the book of Acts is story after story of Jesus Jesus' disciples sharing the life of Jesus from Europe to Asia to Africa. We have it 
really good here in our little church. We have it really good. We have people who have experienced the beauty and the power of the Spirit of Christ in our lives. We have people here who share that beauty and that power with one another and look for ways to share that with our neighbors. It is a joy for me to be the pastor for this congregation and see this in your lives, see this in our life together. And this morning's scripture, all three scriptures, remind us that there is even more life to share. As good as we have it here, there is even more life to share. Jesus wants every ethnos in our area that we have any connection with and every ethnos around the world to share life not only with him but with one another. Ever since I was a little kid, my favorite part of the Olympics has been the Parade of Nations that, that opens it up. I just, I love all of the, the variety of even just the flags, seeing the, the different colors and shapes and combinations. And then you get the people in their, in their dress, uh, either for their uniforms or for their, their sort of ethnic um, traditional wear. There's the, that, those moments when, you know, there's a tiny little country with like one or two athletes, but they are on the same stage with the powers of the world. And there's such joy. And then there's those moments of awe when, you know, U.S. or Russia or China come in and you're just like, oh my gosh, these are just mammoth delegations. And it's all in celebration. That is the kingdom of God made visible. That's the kingdom of God. And the great thing about the kingdom of God is that it's not about competition. It's that parade of nations for communion. It will be a celebration of food and drink and forgiveness and beauty. And Jesus wants us to get started now. We are given this tremendous gift of life in Jesus. And it's even better when we share this life of Christ with all the nations, with all the ethnos. Thanks be to God.